I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. This podcast homily for Fourth Sunday after Easter is the fifth in a series of seven podcast homilies for Easter Day through Sunday after Ascension Day. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. The musical theme is Jesus Christ is Risen Today, performed for us in England by Richard M.S. Irwin and used with his permission. It is also the theme music for the companion AIC seasonal video presentation, Eastertide, from Easter to Ascension. Listeners may benefit from the AIC seasonal video series, Eastertide, from Resurrection to Ascension, presented in three episodes, each linked from the digital library page, with the MP3 podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page, at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. This series offers a brief history of the evolution of Easter and the traditional method of calculating the date of Easter, plus its effects upon the celebrations of Epiphany and Trinity seasons, Anglican traditions of Easter through Ascension, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions, and commentary on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Easter Day, Monday and Easter Week, Tuesday and Easter Week, all five Sundays after Easter, Ascension Day, and Sunday after Ascension Day in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Fourth Sunday after Easter are discussed in Episode 3. The epistle reading for fourth Sunday after Easter is James 1, verses 17 to 21. The epistle of St. James, traditionally called the first bishop of the Church of Jerusalem, are considered as a book of New Testament wisdom, written in the teaching style of the Old Testament wisdom books, including Psalms, especially Psalm 119. The popularity of the Epistle of St. James has risen and fallen many times. St. John Chrysostom, patron saint of the Anglican Internet Church and Bishop of Constantinople in the late 5th and early 6th centuries, and one of the Church's greatest pulpit orators of all times, quoted James frequently. At the other end of the spectrum was the 16th century Protestant reformer Martin Luther, who in his earliest writings wanted the Epistle of James removed from the canonical Bible. The Epistle of St. James has an important role as a book of valid teachings on spiritual matters. The two readings for 4th and 5th Sunday after Easter were introduced by Archbishop Cranmer for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer. In the first line of today's reading, verse 17a, James writes that, quote, every good and perfect gift is from above. In the rest of the verse, St. James teaches that God the Father is unchangeable and is the source of all truth. For modern practitioners of Christian spirituality, it is clearly understood that this same Christian truth is the only antidote to the reality of evil in the world. The part of the Epistle of St. James that John Chrysostom so admired was his teaching, also found in verse 19 of today's reading, 
concerning the restraint of the tongue as a Christian virtue. St. James writes in verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. St. Chrysostom told his parishioners in the late 4th century that one of the things they should consider instead of the traditional giving up of something for Lent was straining the tongue, or as he put so bluntly, give it a rest. St. John's advice, based upon the teaching of St. James, remains valid during any church season and not just Lent or Easter. The Gospel reading for Fourth Sunday after Easter is John 16, verses 5 to 15. This week's reading from the Gospel of St. John occurs immediately before last week's reading, John 16, verses 16 to 21. The time is still the evening of Monday, Thursday, and the place probably was the house of St. Mark in Jerusalem. There Jesus and his disciples were preparing for Passover. Jesus recognizes that his disciples would have, quote, sorrow, unquote, in their hearts at the news that he would be leaving them. In early Christian thinking, sorrow meant what we think of as sadness. St. John Chrysostom warned that if not properly managed, sorrow or despondency could become a great tyranny. The lesson is that we must never allow ourselves to be so fixed on the discomforts and disappointments of the present age, whether that be poor health, lack of money, lack of physical beauty or handsomeness, or lack of influence in the political or social world, that we allow it to come at the expense of living today and planning for tomorrow in the expectation of salvation in the kingdom of God. In the morning prayer reading for Fourth Sunday after Easter, Job, even in his darkest moments, understood that his Redeemer would come. And he wrote in Job 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. The sorrow of the disciples was probably rooted in their lack of understanding of why Jesus was leaving them. Like most of us, they liked the current situation. In these last hours before his betrayal and arrest, Jesus explains the why concerning his going away. Beginning with verse 7, he explains that he must go away, or the helper or comforter or counselor or paraclete in Greek, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not be sent by the Father. The use of numerology, that is, emphasis on certain symbolic numbers, is frequent throughout St. John's Gospel. Here it appears again when Jesus cites three teachings in which the Holy Spirit will offer in verse 8, the first on sin, the second on righteousness, and the third on judgment. Each of these words has a very narrow meaning that is not the same as that traditionally assigned to the words themselves. Now, on the first subject, sin, Jesus provides a very narrow explanation of sin, saying in verse 9 that the world has sinned because they do not believe in me. 
Remember that in last week's reading, he has declared that the only path to the Father is through faith in him. Now he further says in verse 10 that the Spirit will counsel on the second topic, righteousness, which will be important to them after he goes away to join the Father. Traditional teaching from St. Chrysostom in the early church to that of the late 16th and early 17th century Anglican bishop and divine, the blessed Lancelot Andrews, is that the real antidote for sin, especially in troubled times, is made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit in each of us. This, then, is the source of righteousness traditional Christian belief that the presence of the Holy Spirit, in some translations, the Gospel of St. John, the same idea is also called encamped or intented in the faithful. Whichever word you use, it should always be understood that righteousness in this form is a sovereign gift of the grace of the Father. The final of the three topics mentioned in verse 11 is judgment, but here Jesus means something other than the judgment of mankind at his own second coming. He refers instead to the judgment of God against the ruler of this world, meaning Satan. The world is judged because it chose Satan over Jesus, but in his propitiatory death upon the cross, the rule of Satan will be overthrown, and death in the human sense will no longer be the end, but the beginning, that is, of life in the eternal kingdom of the Father. Jesus goes on in verse 12 to assure the disciples that even for them there is much more for them to learn, but that he cannot speak it now. In verse 13, he assures the disciples that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Traditional Christian teaching is that the Holy Spirit is the guardian of truth, the one who holds both the knowledge of and the wisdom to fear the Lord. Through the Holy Spirit's action upon the apostles and those in later generations who follow their example, he promised, they would gain all the knowledge which would be needed to spread the word of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Or as St. John wrote several times in Revelation, to all tribes, nations, peoples, and tongues. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are the AIC Bible Studies series New Testament Gospels, a detailed discussion of St. John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, plus the unique speaking roles for Andrew and Philip, are found in episode 39 and episode 41. St. John's discussion of the spiritual meaning of abide, as used by Jesus in several I Am declarations, is in episode 35, and the themes of truth versus falsehood, good versus evil, and light versus darkness in episode 40. In the Nicene Creed video series in episode 7, there is extensive discussion of St. Basil of Caesarea's formative work and the contributions of St. Gregory Nazianzen and St. Gregory of Nyssa on the equality of the Holy Spirit with God the Father and God the Son and the changes made to the Nicene Creed concerning the Holy Spirit. 
In the Lives of the Saints, in the first series, episode one is focused on St. Andrew, four on St. John, five on St. Paul, seven on St. Mark, eight on St. Philip and St. James, and episode 13 on Bartholomew Nathaniel. From the second series, Gregory of Nyssa is the subject of episode six, Gregory Nazianzen of episode eight, John Chrysostom of episode nine, and episode 10, Basil of Caesarea of episode 17, and the three English martyrs, including Archbishop Cranmer of episode 28. Episodes in seasonal videos and Christian education videos linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions of all three from the podcast archive page. From the AIC Bookstore Publications, in the Gospel of John, annotated and illustrated, the reading from the Gospel of John is discussed in chapter 16. The cover illustration is an illumination in egg tempera and gold on parchment of John writing his Gospel from the pericope book of Henry II, produced in the scriptorium at Reichenau Monastery, Reichenau, Germany, for the last Ottonian Holy Roman Emperor early in the first quarter of the 11th century. In Christian Spirituality, an Anglican perspective includes discussion of the concept of taking the teachings of the Church to heart, presented in the context of Archbishop Cranmer's responses to the commandments and also to the writings of the Blessed Lancelot Andrews on the procession of the Holy Spirit, and finally the apostolic wisdom of James along with Jude and of Peter and of Paul. In Layman's Lexicon, I recommend the entries for Comforter, Fear of the Lord, Holy Spirit, Paraclete, Righteous-slash-Righteousness, Satan, Sin, Spirit, Truth, Virtue, and finally Wisdom. In Revelation, an idealist interpretation, the text box Nations, Tribes, Peoples, and Tongues in Revelation is found on page 88 and offers insight into the meaning of those scriptural words. And finally, in the prayer book Psalter, History, Text, and Commentary, the wisdom verses of Psalm 119 are discussed on pages 275 to 286. All the AIC Bookstore publications are available using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net or directly from my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen e hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. The first closing prayer is an adaptation of a prayer of praise, adulation, and thanksgiving to the Spirit attributed to St. Basil of Caesarea in the 4th century. The second is the collect for Fourth Sunday after Easter adapted by Archbishop Cranmer for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer from a prayer from the 8th century sacramentary of the 5th century Roman Catholic Pope Gelasius. O heavenly King, the Comforter, 
their spirit of truth, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, the treasury of blessings and giver of life, cleanse us from every stain and come and take up thine abode within us, O thou strength of our souls and our salvation forever. Amen. Almighty God, who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men, grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.